You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. A'udhu billahi minash rajim Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all dear listeners. I hope you're having a great day. It is an absolute pleasure to be here in the studios again. The Voice of Islam studios at the House of Victories here at the Betul Fatu Mosque which is the largest mosque in Western Europe. It is Wednesday the 12th of October. I'm joined here in the studio by myself, Muhammad Atar and uh, Shajil Ahmed. And as always, you know, it's always a pleasure to be here in the studios presenting at the Voice of Islam radio. So we've got an interesting lineup of uh, topics for you guys this morning. Um, For the first segment, we'll be discussing how have A-levels results affected students starting university this year? And then for the second segment, we will be discussing uh, as there there is a new study which shows that exercise can uh, you know reduce the chance of dying, which is uh, which is quite uh, you know if you think about it, it's quite uh, self-explanatory. But you know it, it should be interesting, and we do have an uh, interesting lineup of guests for you guys this morning as well, as always. And um, obviously, before we start our main segments, we discuss the news and the weather here at the Voice of Islam. We will be delving into that very shortly. And as you know, this is a live show. So if you do have any questions or would like to give any feedback, please do call us at 020-86-877878 or you can tweet us at The Voice of Islam UK. So dear listeners, do not go anywhere. We'll be taking a very short break and then we'll be delving straight into the news and the weather. So please do join us after the very short break. Writings of the Promised Messiah my humble self, so Hazrat Khatum al may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in a dream in 1864 or 1865 in my early youth, when I was still pursuing my studies. In my dream I had in my hand a religious book, which I felt was of my own authorship. Upon seeing the book, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, inquired from me in Arabic, How have you named this book? I submitted, I have named it Qutbi. The interpretation of this name has now come to my mind on the publication of this well-publicized book, Brahina Ahmadiyya, that it is a book which in its reasoning and arguments is firm and unshakable like the polar star. Presenting the firmness of the contents of this book, I have issued a challenge and announced the award of a prize of 10,000 rupees for anyone who might be able to refute it. In short, the Holy Prophet took that book from me. The moment the blessed hands of the Holy Prophet touched it, it became an attractive and lovely fruit resembling a guava, but as large as a watermelon. When the Holy Prophet started cutting it into pieces to distribute it, it yielded so much honey that his blessed hand and forearm began to drip with it. Then a dead body that was lying outside the door came to life as a miracle of the Holy Prophet and came and stood behind me. My humble self was standing before the Holy Prophet as a supplicant stands before a ruler. The Holy Prophet was occupying his chair in great glory and majesty and with display of authority as if he was a great champion. To summarize, the Holy Prophet ﷺ handed over to me a piece of the fruit 
so that I might give it to the newly revived person, and he bestowed upon me all the remaining pieces. I gave that one piece to the revived person, which he ate immediately. When he finished eating it, I noticed that the blessed chair of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had risen much higher, and the countenance of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, began to shine forth like the rays of the sun, which was an indication of the revival and progress of Islam. While watching this display of light, I woke up. Allah be praised for all this. وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَادْعُوهُ بِهَا يَا And there is no God beside him, the Sovereign, the Holy One, the Source of Peace, the Bestower of Security, the Protector, the Almighty, the Subduer, the Exalted. Holy is Allah. Far above anything they associate with him as his partners. In this verse of the Holy Qur'an, along with some other beautiful names of Allah, His name As-Salam is also mentioned. Elaborating, Allah's name As-Salam, the promised Messiah and the philosophy of the teaching of Islam says, He is the source of peace. That is to say, he is the God who was fully safeguarded against all imperfections, afflictions, and hardships. Not only that, He provides peace and security for all. Therefore, it is extremely important for us to have a clear understanding of this beautiful name of the name designates Allah's special attribute of being the source of peace. Once we have proper insight of this special attribute of Allah, it would be easy for us to make a stronger connection with Him, to mold our lives accordingly, and ultimately to feel secure and protected, being at peace with Allah with his creatures and with our own selves. We know that maintaining peace has always been a major concern and great challenge for mankind throughout history. But perhaps, sustaining peace has never been as crucial in the past as it is at the present time. Our personal peace, peace of the heart, is fully disrupted through constant fear, distress, and anxiety in our daily lives. Without any doubt, this tremendous loss of peace in every shape and form is due to one major factor. <laughs> 
It is that mankind is disconnected with Allah as a salam, the real source and the reservoir of peace. There is no peace because the personal connection with God, who is the fountainhead of peace, is broken. There is no peace because the commandments of God, as-salam, are being ignored. Allah the Exalted has given the name Islam to the way of life that He commands us to adopt. Surely, the true religion with Allah is Islam. The very name Islam means peace and security, attained by surrendering one's rebellious ego to the will of God. To be a Muslim, one cannot imagine any other way but to completely yield to the will of God and to give up all self-centered desires by resisting all misleading temptations. Five core beliefs of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. The number one core belief of Ahmadiyya Muslims is the same as any other Muslim around the world. And that is the five pillars of Islam, namely proclaiming the unity of God, offering five daily prayers, offering financial sacrifice in the form of zakat, fasting in the month of Ramadan, and offering pilgrimage to Mecca, which is Hajj. This is the absolute basic and foundation for any Muslim around the world. The second core belief for Ahmadi Muslims is our belief in the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as Khatamun Nabiyyin. We believe him to be the seal of the prophets, and the last law-bearing prophet that God Almighty has sent for mankind. We believe him to be the perfect and complete creation. The third core belief for Ahmadi Muslims is our belief in the Holy Quran as a perfect guide for mankind. We believe it to be exactly letter to letter the same word as was revealed to the Holy Prophet Muhammad May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him 1400 years ago. A fourth core belief of Ahmadi Muslims is our belief in the Messiah and Mahdi. Now the majority of Muslims around the world, they also believe in this concept of the Messiah and Mahdi. But this is where us Ahmadi Muslims have the upper hand. We believe that the Messiah and Mahdi that was prophesied by the Holy Prophet Muhammad may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that very Messiah and Mahdi has come. We believe him to be Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him. In the Ahadith, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has given the Messiah and Mahdi the status of a prophet. And we believe that the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, has come for the revival of Islam and to re-establish a strong connection between creation and the Creator. A fifth core belief for Ahmadi Muslims is our belief in Khilafat, in successorship. So just as after the demise of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, there was Khilafat, there was successorship, in exactly the same way after the demise of the promised Messiah, may peace be upon him, 
God Almighty once again gifted Islam with Khilafat, with successorship. The Ahmadiyya Khilafat was established after the demise of the promised Messiah and has been established for well over a hundred years. We are now in the era of the fifth Caliph, who is Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad. The mission of the Ahmadiyya Khulafa, of the Ahmadiyya Caliphs, is to continue to preach and spread the truthful and peaceful teachings of Islam around the world. These are the five core beliefs of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. What do Muslims believe about past prophets and scriptures? Two of the six articles of faith for a Muslim are to believe in the prophets of God and to believe in the divine scriptures. Therefore, Muslims believe that all prophets were sent by God and that the scriptures in their original form were divine revelations that amongst other things taught the absolute unity of God. According to the Holy Quran, God has sent his messengers to every nation. It states, There is no people to whom a warner has not been sent. Chapter 35, verse 25. And for every people there is a messenger. Chapter 10, verse 48. Some prophets have been mentioned in the Holy Quran itself, such as Adam, Abraham, David, Solomon, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, peace be upon them all. Other prophets, not mentioned in the Holy Quran by name, include Zoroaster, Krishna, and Confucius, peace be on them all, to name but a few. As mentioned previously, Muslims not only believe in all the earlier prophets, but also in the revelations and scriptures given to those prophets by God. In the Holy Quran itself, reference is made to four revealed books other than the Holy Quran. These are Suhuf, Scriptures of Abraham, peace be upon him, in chapter 87, verse 20. Of the Suhuf of Abraham, nothing is known today. These scriptures were probably never recorded in writing. Torah, the Torah of Moses, peace be upon him, chapter 3, verse 4. The Torah comprises the first five books of the Hebrew Bible and contains the complete law for the Israelites. These five books are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Torah was passed down the generations by the word of mouth and was finally recorded in writing some hundreds of years after Moses, peace be upon him. Zabur, the Psalms of David, peace be upon him, in chapters 4, verse 164. Very little is known today of Zabur, or the revelations of prophet David, peace be upon him. In the Hebrew Bible, there are many psalms, sacred songs or hymns, attributed to David, peace be upon him, which may constitute part of the Zabur. Injil, or the Gospel of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. Chapter 5, verse 47. The Injil, or Gospel, was revealed to the prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, but was not recorded during his lifetime. After his death, attempts were made to record his teachings in writing. Of many such narratives, four were selected by the early church as official accounts of the teachings of Jesus, peace be upon him. These four versions of the Gospel are known today as the Gospels of Matthew, Luke, Mark and John. However, there are other Gospels that are not included in the Bible that also contain important information about the life and teachings of Jesus, peace be upon him. With the exception of the Holy Quran, none of the real books retained their original form. Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. My humble self, so Hazrat Khatim al-Anbiya, 
May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In a dream in 1864 or 1865 in my early youth, when I was still pursuing my studies. In my dream I had in my hand a religious book, which I felt was of my own authorship. Upon seeing the book, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, inquired from me in Arabic, How have you named this book? I submitted, I have named it Qutbi. The interpretation of this name has now come to my mind on the publication of this well-publicized book, Brahina Ahmadiyya, that it is a book which in its reasoning and arguments is firm and unshakable like the polar star. Presenting the firmness of the contents of this book, I have issued a challenge and announced the award of a prize of 10,000 rupees for anyone who might be able to refute it. In short, the Holy Prophet took that book from me. The moment the blessed hands of the Holy Prophet touched it, it became an attractive and lovely fruit resembling a guava but as large as a watermelon. When the Holy Prophet started cutting it into pieces to distribute it, it yielded so much honey that his blessed hand and forearm began to drip with it. Then a dead body that was lying outside the door came to life as a miracle of the Holy Prophet and came and stood behind me. My humble self was standing before the Holy Prophet as a supplicant stands before a ruler. The Holy Prophet was occupying his chair in great glory and majesty and with display of authority as if he was a great champion. To summarize, the Holy Prophet handed over to me a piece of the fruit so that I might give it to the newly revived person and he bestowed upon me all the remaining pieces. I gave that one piece to the revived person, which he ate immediately. When he finished eating it, I noticed that the blessed chair of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had risen much higher and the countenance of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, began to shine forth like the rays of the sun, which was an indication of the revival and progress of Islam. While watching this display of light, I woke up. Allah be praised for all this. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio.
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Auzubillahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all, dear listeners. Welcome back to the breakfast show. We will be, you know, delving straight into the news and the weather now. So we'll be discussing some interesting news stories that are, you know, the headlines of um, today and um, like the past few days. So anything interesting that's caught your eyes uh, in the news, Brother Shaji? Uh It's just, um, you know, the weather. Which uh, I mean, it's not news. Yeah. But it, it the weather, all the all the weather. Yeah. <laughs> the, the weather, mm. it's been uh, you know, it's been it's been quite quite up and down as well. Yeah. Uh, but at the moment, you know, it's uh, the you know just you know you know just coming into the studio as well, mm. and you know it's you know it's uh, autumn or winter when when it's dark when yeah. it's dark outside yeah. you know, in the breakfast <laughs> show. <laughs> now the sun is you know it, it, it's it's uh, it's coming up and also the, yeah. the fajr, fajr prayer the fajr uh, salat that we the morning, uh, prayer, the yeah. morning prayer that the muslims offer yeah that's uh, you know it's getting later and later so we're offering it at 6:30 nowadays here in 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 london yeah yeah, so, yeah. we we in the summer mm-hmm. it will go it will go as back as it's you like know, four o'clock. Four, 4 o'clock something yeah. like that as well so you can just uh, you can just imagine hmm. you can just imagine you know the the, the you know the sort of time difference as well. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the the temperatures has you know it has gone down hmm. and uh, sort of you know if you look at the forecast for the next couple of days, yeah, it is looking a bit wet as well. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the forecast for the weekend uh, and then on to you know. Even 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 today, the mm. wo- the forecast is saying that it's going to rain a little bit later on, early in the morning tomorrow as well, mm. and then from Friday night uh, on towards the on towards the weekend, mm. um, is you know the forecast is saying that it's going to rain, but obviously you know you you don't know you don't know what you're gonna get, but that's just something that you you know would be mm. expecting as well. Um, you know the 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 weather sort of drastically changing as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know there are multiple things which are going on uh, around the world uh, as well. Just to you know give a brief overview about the economy. Hmm. The economy slowed in August, um, uh, contracting by zero point three percent on the on the previous month. So. The, the the growth experienced uh, in July has been revised downwards from 0.2% previously recorded to just 0.1%, and the Office for National Statistics released its uh, its its latest reading on the UK's performance as the government f- uh, uh, frets over the prospect of recession ahead, given the toll placed on demand. By the cost of living crisis, an August result is worse than expected, as mm. no growth, rather than the economy shrinkage, was actually anticipated. And the, you know, the, I mean, that was, I wouldn't say expected, but it's something which uh, which was gonna happen mm. anyway. I mean, it says the news headline on you know Sky News said the economy shrinks unexpectedly in uh, in August. But there are, you know, there are up and downs. We don't, you know, the, p- the pound, know the pound certain. has uh, dropped as well. The pound Again, has dropped. Yeah, yeah. The pound has dropped. Uh, but you know, that's th- that's the thing, isn't it? 
Mm. That's exactly what uh, what uh, you know. Sort of all these things are leading towards the recession, hmm. and this is what economists are talking about as well, yeah. and they have been for you know for for a long time now, hmm. where you know the the prices of everything, the inflation rates are so high, hmm. and then to counter those inflation rates, the central banks, you know the Bank of England yeah. and all these central banks who actually control the economy, who actually control the actual money, the the, the money flow, hmm. they. Uh, to to sort of reduce that inflation, they increase the interest rates. Yeah. But you know, because of that, that definitely leads towards a a recession, and that's what we are sort so of seeing a, right a, now. One pound is now one dollar ten cents. Hmm. Yeah. That's that is quite low. That is that is quite very low. low. That's very low. Very, very low indeed. I mean, we normally normally we would compare the pound to yeah. to the euro as well. Mm. You know, being our neighbors, yeah. being uh, uh, being just there, and then you know, people. It's one dollar, one 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 euro uh, thirteen. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you can just imagine. Before it used to be much more than that. Much more. Um, I mean, the, you know, the difference used to be much more. Mm. You can get mu- many more uh, euros for your pound, but. The closer euros and pounds get, you know, you can you can just tell that you know how much, how much the pound the pound is actually um, losing its uh, losing its value as mm. well. Just on um, the twelfth of September, yeah, a month ago, right? Yeah, uh, it was one dollar seventeen. Mm. So it's, so it dropped yeah. seven cents. That's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. Yeah. Mm. And if if you see the trend of the last year, mm. so one year ago today it was one dollar thirty six, and it's just been steadily on the graph. It's just been steadily dropping, dropping, mm. dropping, dropping, dropping. Yeah, that's uh, that's you know it's, that's it's, how it, it is, is alarming. That is alarming. Yeah, but that was you know that but the, like it, it was inevitable. It was inevitable the way the economy is going. Um, you know, we we left the EU as well. We're not as strong yeah. as we used to be, and um, it was bound to happen. To be honest, it was bound. It was bound to happen as well. Mm. Um, you know, talking about the energy, the energy crisis or the energy bills, a lot of the a lot of the news a lot of the newspapers today are reporting this one as well on their front uh, pages. The the I reports. On a new government, uh, on a new government energy policy, the uh, you know the Times uh, leads on the Bank of England saying it will cut its emergency intervention mm. in the UK's debt market on Friday, despite concerns about the nation's financial financial stability, um, and that is uh, mostly you know what the what the what the major. Um, the front pages of the of the newspapers are looking about or talking about today. The Daily Telegraph mm. says the the governor of the Bank of England, Andrew Andrew Bailey, prompted a sharp fall in the pound. As you know, just like you said as well. Yeah. After he said the central bank would end its emergency support for pension funds on Friday, um, you know that's what I'm saying. It's similar similar stories which uh, the newspapers are are are, are reporting. The Guardian. Mm. The power companies generating electricity from renewable, renewable and nuclear sources are to have their uh, revenues capped in England and Wales. That's what the Guardian is reporting, um, and 
the 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 metro leads with the hospital nurse accused of murdering seven babies and that was in the news as well hmm. um uh who's you know lucy lucy letby who's 32 denies seven causes of murder at 10 accounts of attempted murder as well the financial times says the bank of england has staged a second emergency intervention support pension funds in uh, in as many days with Governor Andrew Bailey insisting the central bank's £65 billion bond mm. buying programme will not be extended beyond Friday. So it's mm-hmm. a difficult, you know, it's a difficult situation that we are yeah. finding ourselves in. Um, you know, what, but we want to know, we want to, if there's any, you know, economists out there mm. who, who, you know, understand this, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in greater detail, um, do give us a call and tell us, enlighten uh, us and our audience as well on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Um that's what that's the financial sort of situation and the financial stability or instability hmm. as you know we can say at the moment. Um anything else which is uh, which has, which is you know the everyone's aware of obviously, you know, um and also it's it's been quite a while the Ukraine and the Russia uh, Russian war situation. It's right? been a few months now. Yeah, it's been quite a while. But you know, re- just recently, um, Ukraine they they um, blew up one of the main bridges in Russia, like that connects them uh, from. I, I'm not exactly sure where, but it yeah. was like a main bridge that they used, right? Um, right. And then I, I'm not sure if it was in retaliation, but then Russia, uh, you know, they recently dropped like 75 missiles on Kiev mm. right and um, 75 missiles if you think about yeah. that in like in like the city center is a lot but there's only been I shouldn't say only only but there's been 19 casualties mm. right so yeah. you you um, you have to think about it that Putin you know a lot of people are saying he's a warmonger he's a warlord and you know he's doing all these uh, atrocious, uh, atrocious things he is we don't deny it but um, you know um it's like you can see from his actions that he realizes that they are technically his people as well, mm. and he doesn't really want them to be damaged. Right? He's tr- minimalizing the casualties. Mm. Seventy-five missiles and only nineteen deaths. Yeah, and it was in the city center. That means it's a it's like a calculated thing, right? That he yeah. did, he done. And um, yeah, but th- th- that's that's the situation. And um, you know, um, he also said um, something along the lines. Uh, Putin said that. You know, there could be a potential. He could do a calculated nuclear missile strike as well. Mm. Obviously, right. like you know, that's 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 just, uh, that's uh, a, that's on that's a different wavelength. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but the thing is, you have to understand that all all of these things that are happening, and um, you know, everyone uh, is um, supporting. Obviously, as they should. They're supporting the refugees so much and yeah. you know, they're helping them out so much. But, you know, all these situations that happen <laughs> in the you know the Middle East that ha- did happen and are currently still happening in the Middle Eastern countries, what happened in Iraq, what's happening in, uh, you know, in uh, Palestine, uh, Th- that, that know, just that goes gets, unnoticed, right? It goes unnoticed and it mm. just gets brushed under, under yeah. the rug. Is 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 you know sometimes we see that the media, hmm. um, depending where where you're living, hmm. can have a major impact on you know on, can have a major influence on on you know on on the population. Hmm. The Western you know the Western media 
So you open up any news Literally. news outlet today, and all you'll see is Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine. Ukraine Russia. And we've been yeah. seeing that for the last how many months? Look, we we hundred percent condone Putin's actions, right? What he's doing mm. is wrong, but you have to realize what's happening in in the other countries as well, where they're being oppressed. Yeah, we can't where, forget about. Yeah, we can't we can't and, forget and about. And more so as well in yeah. other places. In yeah, other places, M- much more so. Thing, and it's been happening for such a long time that mm. people think it's just a norm. Yeah, people th- people don't even you know people don't have sympathy towards mm. it anymore. Mm. That's the you know that's that's and a problem. You know they as well. were such like if you look at the before and after pictures. Yeah, they were such beautiful, thriving countries. Yeah, literally. and they're they're just barren wastelands. Now. I mean, yeah, we look look what happened to Libya, isn't mm. it? Look what happened to Libya. Look what happened to Syria. Look what happened to Iraq. Look what happened to Iraq. Yeah, uh, even Yemen mm. at the moment. Mm. You know, it's uh, that's the problem. That's the problem. You see these. Uh, these news outlets mm. um, they have an agenda obviously yeah. and the information that they want to get across is so one sided yeah, that, that it's obvious when um, like it started yeah. the, the, the war uh, the, supposedly started everyone was like oh you know they're, they're our neighbours you know a lot of people openly said like they're our like fellow white brethren yeah, and yeah. like there was a lot they, of racism there was a lot of, as well. yeah a lot of open blatant racism but uh, even that was like uh, you even know, that was just uh, brushed under the rug yeah there was no you know because because they, there was no they flare, yeah, yeah because uh, you know uh, they're supposedly not a third world country uh, and they're like our neighbours hmm. so they're considered and treated differently because they think because if it can if it can skin. happen it can, if it can happen to them it can happen to us as well hmm. now people are starting to realise that it can happen to us as well hmm. because Putin is kind of trigger happy right now, mm. <laughs> so he, you have to be careful. And they're realizing that it can, he can do anything basically. He can, he can, he can do anything. The and thing he's is, he's got such a large arsenal of um, weapons. He is, he, he is a threat. One of yeah. the, I mean, definitely he is a warlord. Yeah. Right. But the thing is, is that he, if if he wanted to, he could, he could, as he, you know, as you mentioned, that mm. he he said that he can do a a calculated or whatever sort yeah. of attack, a nuclear attack right yeah on ukraine yeah but then we see that there's so many smaller nations as mm. well russia's a big you know it's a, it's yeah. a big nation mm. there's, there's so many other smaller nations which also have a nuclear um nuclear energy and mm. they have nuclear bombs and uh they're they're also a threat as well mm. so we don't know we don't know who you know who is who is what? What anyone's intentions are? Hmm. It's what, what. What we do know is that why would you provoke someone hmm. who has got you know who is a big threat? Hmm. Why would you provoke him in the first hmm. place? Obviously, if you provoke him so much and everyone like, is you don't against go around him, poking bears, right? Literally, you don't poke because the bear. They will attack. They will. They will definitely attack. That's in their nature. And you, you, you know, it's going to be a difficult situation because if they do yeah, attack. Yeah, he, he was. He was just. He was living <laughs> like he was peaceful before, right? Yeah. But then, I mean, he was just doing his own. He was doing thing, his own thing, sort of. But yeah. Because of because of this. Because, and you know what the problem is? The problem is also that when when other people who are, you know, they think that they are they have a right to interfere with any sort of problem which happens mm. anywhere around the world, mm. and they think that they are the ones who are going to resolve this issue, mm. and uh, you know sometimes it's it's good for. The nations that are in conflict, hmm. them to resolve the issue with the, hmm. with themselves. But you know, if they need someone else to to come and intervene, Definitely. fine. But that has to be done with justice, not hmm. just you know one sided. Hmm. You look at you look at the news, and it's everything is uh, is against 
you know, everything is against Russia and everything is for Ukraine. Yeah, of course. And, you know, we completely condone his, um, you know... Yeah, but what, what we're saying what he's doing is, is not, completely yeah. wrong, right? But the thing is... You have to look at both sides of the, yeah, of the he, story as well. Could, he was, like, backed into a corner, you could say, yeah. essentially, right? That's the thing, isn't no it? No other, like, you know, superpower of the world, in England or um, USA, they would appreciate, like, if Russia built, like... Uh, and uh, a base yeah. on the, on their borders on their borders literally right that's, that's the thing. A, that it's a, it's a threat to their country yeah and you would see how these nations would would actually you know would, would respond with that as well yeah um but still that's the mm. you know that's what it is you know his holiness the mm. worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the the fifth caliph of the promised messiah mm. Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad may Allah be his helper he at the you know currently hmm. is on his uh, tour in uh, in America, so he's opened um, he's inaugurated uh, a mosque in Zion, yeah. which is in the state of Illinois. It's just north of uh, of uh, Chicago. Um, also, uh, another mosque uh, which he you know which he which he inaugurated in in, in Dallas, in hmm. Texas hmm. Uh, as well. Um, Someone actually, you know, he was speaking to someone, hmm. um, you know, during those uh, during those visits as well, um, and his holiness said to that person that, you know, these nations in the West, spe- uh, you know, especially they're very they're very trigger happy, yeah, and you don't know what situation that we're in. Hmm. Before his holiness said that you know before it was seemed as if it, it was just the mullahs, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the 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 clergymen, the mm. clerics, who were misguided and they were mm. misguiding other people as well, and how they were sort of uh, trigger happy, how they were um, sort of you know you can say as a you know th- they were pharaohs in their own sort of place, yeah, yeah. but the you know the the tyrant sort of pharaohs, mm. but then now we are seeing the Western nations, they are a big threat. They've got nuclear powers. They've got other sort of powers as well. Mm. And they, if they become trigger happy, if they, you know, if they wanted to, if they press the button, that's it. That's it. That's you know, that's over. it. That's it. It's game over. Hmm. Um, so you know, it's it's it is a difficult situation. People are not actually, you know, realizing how diffi- how how dangerous the situation has actually become. The, the threat is is uh, is is everywhere. Hmm. Uh, it is preventable, obviously. Hmm. Obviously, we can prevent it with you know with proper dialogue not just uh, you know one-sided um, uh, agendas and mm. just you know there, there needs to be justice obviously obviously yeah. there needs to be justice on an international scale mm. it's not just uh, you know everyone coming together to to uh, you know to bully one nation or one party or one particular mm. um, sort of state you know there, there needs to be absolute justice without justice you know, without justice, without proper dialogue, without all of these things, um, without actually wanting peace. Mm. You know, sometimes we talk about peace. Sometimes nations even talk about peace. That you know, we need peace. We need to establish peace. We need to become a peaceful nation, and uh, for that, we need to be. We need to have a peaceful world. I, I, everyone's talking about that, but when it comes to when it comes to reality, when it comes to actually establishing that peace, or when it actually comes to implementing different uh, different strategies to make sure that peace exists in the world mm. 
it's almost as if they, they they're saying yes peace on one hand but then they they're supplying they're supplying arsenal they're supplying you know weapons they're supplying mm. you know war um equipment to other nations mm. and uh, you know why why would you do that why why would you do that why on one hand you will say one thing on the other hand you do completely the opposite thing as well and that's why that's why i was mm. saying that you and know, you know it's, it's not just uh, in, in, in the in the in the west uh, you know um north korea is also doing yeah. you know missile tests uh, like nuclear missile tests as well and they say it's to you know um that it's like practice and test for uh, for for the for the south for south korea and even the us right and they it recently did like one of the missiles flew over japan and the people of japan were just like you know they, they it's yeah. a small island nation they were like cowering yeah. in fear basically yeah literally like what's going How? on yeah that's that's the thing that's the thing some some of these world leaders they're just like they as as you rightly said as this holding said they're trigger happy right they're trigger happy yeah i mm. mean <laughs> That's it's like the, giving giving thing. a monkey a gun, yeah, in the, my in my words. You don't you, you don't know <laughs> you don't know what that's the thing. If, yeah. if 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 they have got a power like that, if they've mm. got a nuclear power, if they've got um, access to these things, mm. to these type of bombs, and it's it, it's like you, they have to be very responsible, right? They can't just um, mm. you know do as they like because it's a big responsibility. It is. It is a big responsibility. And they, they're saying that it's it's a deterrent. Deterrent for what, right? It's just yeah. because another nation has it. So in case they bomb you, you just want to bomb them back, mm. and that will just it, it triggers like a tr- chain reaction, and then the whole world is gone. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's uh, that's it. Because the power, the, the the nuclear powers that are there right mm. now, you know, which nations have right now, they they are so big. They are so mm. strong. That they can wipe out nations, they can yeah. wipe out cities, they can wipe out a large majority of uh, of any particular land. So that's uh, I mean, we don't want to. The thing is, is that we're not talking about this to scare everyone, right? That's yeah. not that's not we're what our not objective. We're not mongering, but we're, we're, just, not, we're not doing that. Yeah. What we're trying to do is that we're trying to make sure that people realize that what situ- the situation that we are we are in, hmm. it's a difficult, it's a di- it's a dangerous situation. Um, this is why we need to obviously raise awareness, but also wherever you know positive influence that we can make in you know in our politicians, our policymakers, in government, where we can raise our voices mm. in the best way, where we can actually get some, you know, tell them that you know this is what we want, this is what we need. We want absolute peace. We yeah. want peace. We don't just want to talk about peace. We don't just want to wish for peace we actually want to sort of you know do things hmm. implement different things strategies and everything methods to establish peace yeah and making sure that our politicians our leaders our you know our our governments have mutual dialogue with other hmm. uh, with other nations so that peace can be established fine you know you have allies you have your you know you have your uh, sort of friends with you, but that's that that doesn't matter when when you know when when mm. you have a big opposition as well. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, obviously you know nations ha- have oppositions. Mm. They have you know they are sort of rivals, and people have you know differences in opinions mm. and differences in, in that sense. But 
that doesn't need to escalate so much so mm. that you know they go to war with one another. Mm. And this is why the East and the West, and we talk about Russia and America, hmm. talk about all these things. But you know, we if we if we can actually establish a mutual dialogue with respect hmm. and actually wanting peace properly, hmm. then you know something can can be done. But if every nation just comes up and says, hmm. you know, I'm a I've got nuclear power, don't mess with me. Hmm. The other nation steps up and he says, I'm a nuclear power as well, don't mess with me either. Hmm. So it's uh, it just becomes sort of you know who's gonna bully who mm. and who's gonna start th- who's gonna start it. Yeah. So that that's what we that's what we don't want. So that's why you know time and time again we try to draw the attention of everyone basically, especially you know His Holiness tries to draw the attention of uh, the people towards Allah the Almighty, make them realize that their Creator exists and He is a living God. He listens and He answers prayers. And everyone should turn their attention towards the one true living God in order to achieve salvation. Because that is the only way. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is that is the only way. Mm-hmm. You know, His Holiness has uh has, has may Allah be his helper. He's written so many uh, or he's given so many speeches, he's yeah. written letters as well to the world leaders as well. Mm. And they have been compiled uh in I mean in uh, in in a book in a series of books mm. uh, called the the the, the um, pathway pathway to peace pathway to peace yes um, and uh, it's uh, in that his holiness has mentioned you know different things mm. and what we can actually do mm. to establish peace mm. to establish absolute justice um, and uh, to make sure that the world doesn't go down this path mm. uh, so you know we we also encourage all of our listeners to to go out there and uh, you know get a copy of that book and or you know flick through uh, flick through that book as well because his holiness very passionately has spoken about this in various peace symposiums various letters and various addresses hmm. uh you know in 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 uh, you know around around the world uh, as well so hmm. this is uh, what the need of the hour is what the need of the time is to establish this peace and justice but uh, without you know, without without absolute justice, this uh, you know it's you know it, it's something to actually hmm. work towards. Definitely, that's what that then that's what we're talking about. So, dear listeners, we'll be taking a very short break, and then we will be starting our first segment of the morning, which is discussing how have A level results affected students starting university this year. So, please do join us after the very short break. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. The listeners will be jumping straight into our first segment of the morning. How have A-level results affected students starting university this year? So the proportion of top A-level grades in England, Wales and Northern Ireland has fallen since two, uh, 2021, but remains higher than uh, it was in 2019. So um, some of the students, you know, they were really affected during their third year, which was during the pandemic. So students who were due to finish A-levels in uh, 2022 or 2023 had their GCSE exams cancelled and therefore suffered coronavirus-related disruption across the last three academic years. And in early September 2021, 37.9% of all 18-year-olds in the UK were due to begin a university course. And across the higher education sector, around 250,000 students are likely to begin university courses in September 2022. 
and they have had the last three academic years of the education disrupted. So, you know, this is quite a pressing, uh, pressing matter indeed. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's get our let's get our guest who's on the line with us, Courtney Shepherd, who's head of customer contact at UCAS. Uh, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show, Courtney. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for for joining us. Um, to begin with, can you can you tell us um, about your role as head of uh, customer contact at UCAS, please? Yes, yeah, sure. So uh, I've worked at UCAS for quite a long time now, uh, just over 10 years. Uh, I started um, on a temp- temporary contract uh, for six months and have moved through the ranks. So what my role is, is I look after all of the incoming customer queries. Um, that could be from students, from parents, referees, teachers, universities, anybody who needs some support uh, when they contact us uh, will come through to my teams. Um, I also manage what we, we look at our our peaks that we have, so particularly around A-level results day, we need to increase our resource to make sure we're there to support students. Um, so, so managing all of that as well. So mm. it's quite a broad role in, involved in lots of different parts of UCAS. Uh, yeah. I do a lot of um, hosting of our broadcast sessions as well. So um, well, I think we're quite well placed to offer students support throughout the year. So. Yeah, talking about talking about the the you know the the, the pandemic um, because of your you lead frontline teams which are responsible for all incoming uh, customer contact with with you know with students parents uh, and teachers as well so talking about the pandemic how did that have an effect uh, the recent A level students uh, the, you know their their results yeah it's um. Probably not not a very quick answer, as you can imagine, because yeah. it affected students in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, I think you know the overriding message that we've we've been wanting to share with students from UCAS is a is a massive well done to them for for getting through what was realistically three four years of disruption for mm. their their learning at a really pivotal time in in their journeys through life to move from school into their next their next step. So we saw a huge amount of uh, pastoral care required from us on the front line, uh, and that really started from the beginning of of the pandemic, beginning of the first lockdown, uh, where those exams in 2020 were announced to be cancelled. Now, I'm I'm sure anybody listening who went through that process can remember how painful that was Mm. to both go through all of the uncertainty that the world was facing, but then also know that those critical moments for those students in their progression, whether it was to university or to any other walk of life, was so dramatically affected. Yeah. Um, this year in 2022, we've we've seen, I think it's fair to say, a bit more normalising of what the figures are showing us. This, of course, was the first year where students sat written exams. So mm. again, we commend them for their resilience and their hard work to get through that. And any result that students achieved is is a good result. Yeah. And um, what those figures told us was that actually compared to 2019, when we saw the last written exams, it does paint a positive picture. Uh, so we were, we were 1% higher on uh, figures versus 2021 in terms of the number of students accepted onto a course, and then 15% up versus 2019. So although there was a lot of noise in in the press about how these exams have been affecting students, 
in reality what that looks like on, on the ground for those students applying to higher education in the UK through UCAS, it was mostly a positive picture. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Now, what's the what's the difference between A levels and, and T levels? Uh, is that is that becoming more popular? Um, I, I think it's it's definitely too early to say whether they're becoming more popular. The, the if you looked at the numbers T levels versus A levels, there's there's only about five hundred a- applicants who applied to UCAS with with T levels um, versus many thousands who had A levels. T-levels are vocational qualifications where students can get a bit more hands-on with the activities they're wanting to do. So they're not necessarily less academic, they're just assessed and taught in different ways. Um, what is a really good good news story is that 80% of the applicants who applied with T-levels were accepted onto their chosen course. Mm. And that's a fantastic number to see. So uh, as the government will look to support the role of T-levels further to support students where perhaps that's what they want to do. They want to be a bit more vocational and perhaps the the, the kind of traditional A-level uh, curriculum doesn't really suit them. So th- these qualifications will grow in time, but to what extent? It's definitely too early to say. Mm. Now, you mentioned you mentioned that, you know, T-level is a little bit more, a bit more ha- hands-on. So how, how do apprenticeships offer alternative routes to, to a traditional undergraduate degree? Yeah, I, I think that that's a really interesting point to, to talk about, you know. And yeah. as we see more and more students coming through the the pipeline, as it were, so the 18-year-old population is going to continue to rise until 2026. Um, and the number of university places aren't necessarily increasing in, in the same uh, vein. So apprenticeships are a... An option for students is not even uh, talking about it as an alternate option. It is an option for students that's different to a traditional undergraduate degree. And what we found is there's a huge amount of interest in this. So in, in 2022, when, when, we, when students join UCAS and they register and they start their application, we asked them whether or not they'd be interested in receiving information and advice about apprenticeships. And nearly half of the students who registered said that they would be interested in more information and advice, which is tremendous. Um, what we do see, though, is is that the, the interest is very, very high. The route to gaining an apprenticeship, whether that is a, a, a sort of um, lower level apprenticeship or a degree apprenticeship or a higher apprenticeship, is disparate. Mm-hmm. There isn't necessarily a singular route for students to do this. So although there's a lot of interest, not that many students end up going on to do an apprenticeship just because it's really difficult to find out what to do. Um, certainly from a UCAS perspective, it's our goal that we can offer students a, what we're calling a parity of choice, a parity of pathway, so that they can come onto the UCAS website, look at university undergraduate degree courses as well as degree apprenticeships and apply through UCAS with the best option for them. That will take some time and certainly apprenticeships are going to be a big and important option for students to consider in the future. So when we talk about um, obviously, you know, we see that there's a lot of students which are coming in and uh, obviously they, they they want or they have achieved their, uh, their qualifications as well. But then there's a lot of demand as well. But and there's a lot of competition to actually get into what they need to uh, what, you know, what they want to get into as well in terms of uh, career. Now, in light of this growing demand and competition for places, what what advice would you have for students who are currently 
applying for university and then after they 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 they've achieved their goal at university they've got their degrees how or what do they need to do to actually progress further yeah very very good point so what we're expecting is an increase in that 18 year old population mm-hmm. uh, and at the sort of optimistic view we're seeing a forecast of up to a million applicants in 2026 whereas now we have about 700,000 people through the pipeline so it is going to be more competitive you're absolutely right there yeah. so there's there's two points of advice which I I'd, I'd hope students and, and parents and anybody supporting anybody in this process can take on board one of them is about the application to higher education options so you've got on the UCAS application you've got up to five choices that you can make so what we really would encourage students to do, use all of the data available. We know students these days are so good at consuming data in their own way. Mm. So the UCAS website and the UCAS Hub will have lots of different data tools for students to compare and contrast depending on what's interesting for them. Yeah. So when looking at those five choices, pick out a range. So be aspirational with two, maybe even three of those choices where you think you'll challenge yourself to better your predicted grades or at least achieve what your predicted grades are and match those to the entry criteria of the courses that you're interested in. And then I'd also suggest having one or two of those five choices which are a bit more, uh, maybe not realistic, but a bit more conservative in that you think, yes, I can definitely achieve this and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'll be able to receive an offer and get the grades. That way you've spread those options and if you if you try really hard and you, you exceed your own expectations, you've got some aspirational choices on your application already, which is wonderful. Mm. However, if things don't go according to plan and we have to factor that in, just in life in general, um, then there's some safer options there. Of course, clearing has, has changed over the last few years as well, which means there's more and more choice available for students. This year we saw 27,000 courses available on A-Level Results Day in clearing. So... I think the reason why I mentioned clearing is that the the choice options don't stop when you initially apply. You've you've got ways to to pivot, to move. If you change your mind, if things don't go according to plan, there are ways to do that. Hmm. Um, Then your your point about uh, careers and getting into employment, I think that's hugely, hugely important. Uh, And employers are, are looking for students who have got highly academic qualifications but are also work ready and going to university just in and of itself doesn't necessarily prepare you for the workplace so I would really encourage students to try and take any work experience they're able to if that's aligned to their course then that's even better um, or indeed get part-time work or other things like that volunteering um, working with the university or students union to give them a sense of of what it is like going into that corporate world where you're not necessarily as sheltered as you are as a student. That will make you more uh, workplace ready. Mm. Very, very interesting. And uh, thank you so much uh, for, you know, for for all of this advice uh, and, you know, your expertise on our show today. Courtney, thank you so much uh, once again and uh, have a lovely day. You're very welcome. You too. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye now. So that was, uh, you know, Courtney Shepherd, uh, who had some really interesting thoughts to share and give, you know, a, a very good piece of advice in regards to what the students can do as well. 
So we'll be, you know, um, I'm delighted to say that we do have online with us our next guest of the morning, who also happens to be a part of the Voice of Islam team as well. We have Ramin Masood on the line with us, um, who has just started university and is a first year medical student. He is a medic mentor scholar and through this role has the opportunity to be a part of various mentoring initiatives and help aspiring medics. Uh, good morning, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings to Allah be upon you too. My pleasure to be here. Yep. Uh, so j- just to begin with, uh, what subjects did you study at A-level and how did you find them? So I studied biology, chemistry and maths. And I found chemistry and maths to be logical subjects. So mm. it was a case of understanding the concepts. So for example, in maths, um, once you understood the general idea, of how to tackle differentiation questions, for example, then yeah. it was time to focus on application and try to do some of the harder questions. And then I found biology very fascinating. So even from its core concepts of the fundamentals of life, you know, so focusing on cells and cell membranes, and then to delving deeper into the microscopic world and understanding the life of pathogens or how the immune response of the body is activated you know, to help protect us against foreign pathogens. Hmm. And there were also even topics in photosynthesis and respiration, so definitely a good mixture, you know, good exposure to the biological world. And then alongside my A-levels, I also did an EPQ, so that's a research project. And in there, I basically analyzed whether phenolic compounds in honey could be used as effective medicinal agents, and Hmm. especially in the treatment of neurodegenerative diseases. Because we see that, especially in England, um, in May 2022, according to the statistics, um, there's been a rise in dementia and Alzheimer's disease deaths. And so I thought this was an interesting avenue to kind of explore how honey could perhaps be used in conjunction to help alleviate some of the symptoms. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, Islam, you know, speaks greatly about the benefits of honey as well. Yes, exactly, yeah. And uh, how was your overall experience doing A-levels and did COVID have a major impact? So there were times I'd say I felt the impact of COVID more. Um, For instance, there were times when there was a lot of uncertainty in the air and lessons had to be conducted virtually. So I remember that in the second term of year 12, I actually had online lessons for a while through Teams. And so we did lack the in-person communication. Hmm. But um, I think my school was very like proficient and on point in trying to ensure that the teaching wasn't hindered in any way, that it wasn't compromised. Yeah, And so I did have access to a range of resources, even when the teaching was virtual. And of course, I think there were also times when it was quite hard to remain resilient. Hmm. But in those moments, I did find it quite comforting to write letters to His Holiness, May Allah Be's Helper. Yeah. And um, that would really make me feel motivated once again. And I, I used to like speak motivational quotes in my room as well. And hmm. that also used to help. And I still do. And I think that's a really good idea to help us like overcome those uh, periods of time when we feel quite low and unable to continue. Definitely, definitely, that's great. And um, what has your you know experience been like so far as a first year medical student? Well, I've absolutely been blown away by the sheer amount of content there is. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but um, I've also developed a I think a much much more profound appreciation for the human body. Yeah. And for just, you know, God's creation and kind of just being able to envision the human body as a masterpiece creation of God Almighty. Hmm. 
and um, you know it's it's been quite real when I had to like enter the anatomy lab for example and just being able to visualize and feel the various organs of the human body yeah. I mean it's slightly scary but also you know it's quite a humbling experience as well because I had the opportunity to try and um, identify the different bones of the body you know the the different arteries veins and nerves and all of that you know it kind of just makes you um, realize and put into perspective how death is also like an inseparable part of life as well hmm. and that God is, you know, ultimately the supreme designer. He is the wise creator and the all-powerful. And I think that was very, um, kind of like a great feeling to have, but also kind of put into perspective the things about life as well. Definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, who, who are the role models that you look up to most for inspiration? I have many. So <laughs> um, for every aspect of my life, I tend to look up to inspiration to different people. So yeah. For example, um, I look up to Professor Abdus Salam, so he was a great physicist and a Nobel Prize winner. Hmm. Um, so his great discipline and routine and how he used to like wake up early in the morning and he scheduled his life in such a way that you know it was centered around excelling in research and education. Yeah. Then I also look up to Sir Chaudhry Muhammad Zafullah Khan and he was a very renowned jurist and diplomat. Hmm. And you know, he had such eloquence and great wisdom whenever he presented his arguments and and I also look up to um, Hazrat Mr. Jahan Begum, may Allah be pleased with her, hmm. who is the wife, is wife of the Promised Messiah and Him be Peace. And I think she's an inspiration for all of us because she had excellent uh, manner full of worship, full of love, you know, righteousness, affection, all of these things, and the way she treated everyone. In fact, her name also means helper of the world, and I think that in itself speaks volumes. Hmm. And then obviously also I seek motivation from the addresses of His Holiness, may Allah be His helper, you know. Yeah. And countless, countless occasions he's mentioned how, you know, students need to excel in education and hmm. I think that really helps to motivate us students. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and, um, you know, um, what are your future career aspirations? What medical field in particular, like, are you looking to go into in the future? Honestly speaking, I have many hopes and dreams for the future, <laughs> and it seems that every day new dreams kind of keep being added to the list. But obviously, um, God willing, for the next five or six years, I'll be studying medicine and then just increasing my knowledge about the subject and yeah. having the opportunity to communicate with patients as well. Hmm. And then I'm also quite passionate about research, so I do hope to kind of incorporate aspects of like brain research, the neuroscience, hmm. into kind of my um, you know five six years of medical. And um, I also then hope to kind of combine my passion for studying humanity with medical research, as I just mentioned. And I think it would be quite um, you know, interesting and a privilege to be able to perhaps promote the highest um, echelons of education and research in African countries, especially. Yeah. And be able to set up medical institutions where you know, medical education is also promoted as well as treatment. And obviously that's a long way down the line, but that's kind of just one of the dreams and aspirations that I have. And... In terms of speci uh, specialising, it'll probably at the minute. Obviously, I don't know about as many kind of different fields there are, but currently it's more towards um, cardiology and neurosurgery. But obviously, you know, as time goes on, we'll see what happens, and God willing, I'll find my way. Yeah, God willing. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, you know, may Allah Almighty fulfil all your aspirations and uh, allow you to continue serving Islam to the best of your ability. Uh, for now, please do have a good morning. Uh, take care and assalamu alaikum. Thank you. So that was uh, Ramin Masood, who is, you know, also serving as a producer and a video editor at uh, Voice of Islam, as well as she is also, you know, she's a first year medical student. 
and you know it's great to hear from uh, you know our fellow team yeah. and how they how how they are doing as well and what their you know aspirations and their goals are and it's you know it's, it's just it's it's great to hear it's, uh, yeah absolutely yeah. it's it's the thing is is that we know when you talk about uh, education hmm. uh sometimes we sometimes we take it lightly <laughs> Uh, as well Definitely. we don't we don't realize how much uh, you know how important an education is mm. students students who you know who are out there who are who are who are in school who are studying whether it's uh, primary school secondary school even university mm. is it, something which you know which which, which sometimes we take it for granted here here in the west mm. we don't have to pay for it we don't have to pay for i mean t- specifically talking about primary school and secondary school yeah Be- because we don't have to pay for it mm. some of the students they they just take it lightly they take it uh, as if you know it's it's just a part of life and it's just something that they ne- they need to get through mm. but if we actually think about it if we deep it and if mm. we thought think about those talk you know talk about those countries which are you know the developing countries they sometimes don't have access to free schools um you know if you talk about you know various places or various countries in in Africa um you have to pay to get into school you have yeah. to pay for an education hmm. you have to pay to get into you know primary schools secondary schools you have to pay fees yeah um and that's uh you know not not everyone has that amount of money hmm. um where you know there's a lot of you know you have a lot of siblings it's difficult to actually because you know you have to understand as well that the population is quite quite a lot as well in developing countries to get even a place um in or an admission into a school can actually be difficult but then once you get a, get the admission you know making sure that you have the uniform making sure yeah. that you have the the textbooks the the other books the equipment the stationery everything hmm. that's quite it's not it's not a cheap thing it's, it's not you know it can add up especially if you have um siblings as well which are also in education but sometimes we see that those people who are living in the developing countries because they have to pay for that education hmm. because they have to pay fees they don't waste their time there as well but sometimes we see here in the west in the developed countries because education is free um education you know i'm just talking about primary school and secondary school because obviously university you have to pay for the tuition fees and yeah. everything but because we have you have to pay for we, we don't have to pay for that here in the developed world sometimes we take it lightly mm-hmm. and it's just an it's just an eye opener that you know we need to be a little bit more responsible we can't we shouldn't just waste our time because if we if we slack off here in you know at school if we don't get good grades if we don't try our best i mean sometimes it's not all about getting good grades it's about you know trying your best as well hmm. it's about putting your energy to where it belongs it's it's about actually attending those classes yeah. doing your homework doing your coursework uh, on time hmm. um doing it you know revising studying uh, all of these things which are very very good um and then trying your best in the exams and in getting your qualification as well yeah that's you know that's what's important islam uh, is you know talking about islam islam encourages uh, achieving an ed- an education a higher education it's in fact islam actually says that it's incumbent upon everyone hmm not just men but 
it's incumbent upon every Muslim man and every Muslim woman hmm. to to attain knowledge, to to gain knowledge. Definitely. And uh, sometimes we see that you know people say that you know a lot of the women hmm. who are Muslims they just stay at home. Well, why why do they need to achieve an education? Why do they need to be educated? But the thing is, is that if they are educated, if they are literate, then hmm. even if they don't work, hmm. they can still pass that knowledge down to their to, to you know to their to their children. Definitely. They can pass the knowledge down to other people as well, mm. uh, to the next generation, mm. and then the next generation would be, you know, would be literate as well. Mm. They would be they would be educated, and then they will know the value of life as well. Yeah, and anyone you know who who is just a seeker of knowledge, yeah, they they will tell you they will always tell you that they have no knowledge, yeah. right? Because it is such a vast, you know, ocean. The more you know, the less the, you know. The more you know, the less you know. <laughs> and they just want to seek more. Yeah. And there's there's never, never uh, has anyone had any harm of having too much knowledge. Unless, you know, some people do say ignorance is bliss, but that does apply to some things. I understand. But, you know, do you really want to live an ig- ignorant life? Yeah, that's the thing. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that where we ch- achieve an education, where we achieve a higher education, hmm. uh, all of these things point towards the supreme yeah all of this points towards a god hmm. uh, and then you know with all of these knowledge and all of these topics and all of these subjects hmm. they point towards that yes there is a creator hmm. there is a god and we need to you know sort of establish a relationship a connection with uh, with him hmm. and the as, you know as i mentioned the more you know you know the, the more you know. yeah. the less you the more hmm. you realize that hmm. we don't actually know even a fraction hmm. of what you know, God Almighty wants us to know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, His knowledge, obviously, cr- the Creator of the universe, hmm. ma- He made everything. He, hmm. he He knows everything. He's the all aware, all knowing. But it's our you know it's our duty. I mean, in fact, it's the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said as well that seek knowledge from the from the from the from the cradle hmm. all the way up to the grave. Yeah. So th- there isn't any time. Where 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 you shouldn't seek knowledge, hmm. even His Holiness, oh, the, you know the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He even said that wisdom is the lost property of a believer. Hmm. So wherever he finds it, he should he has more right to it. He 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 should he you know he should take upon that knowledge. Yeah, wherever he may he may find it. Sometimes you see that even children, young children, they say something which is you know. Quite, mm. quite clever, quite mm. smart, mm. and that you know that might be you know a very good thing. What a young person is saying, mm. an ignorant person will say, "Oh no, what, what's this little brat talking about?" Mm. But if if the person, if the young, if the young child is talking, talking, you know, sense. talking sense, mm. talking positively, and mm. talking, you know, something which is quite good, mm. we should take that definitely, you know? definitely. And you know, Islam teaches us, uh, you know, this very important prayer. Mm. In the Holy Quran that we find, it's a very short prayer, but it's very important. Very comprehensive. Uh, Rabbi Zidnilma, oh my Lord, increase me in my knowledge. Very good. And everyone should, you know, always recite that and always not just say the words, but truly understand the meaning of the words and follow its meaning. Mm. Uh, before we, you know, move on to our second uh, segment, I'd just like to play this brief audio clip of His Holiness May Allah be his helper, and where he is addressing the young youth of our community.
The Promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states, When God Almighty intends to inform his servants of a matter pertaining to the realm of the unknown, whether he does it in response to his servant's prayer or on his own, he brings down upon him a sort of unconsciousness, and all of a sudden he loses touch with his surroundings. In that state, he completely loses awareness of even his own existence. Like a diver who plunges down to the bottom of a pool, he's completely submerged and drowned in that state of selflessness, unawareness, and unconsciousness. When, in the end, he breaks surface like a diver with whom he shares his experience to a large degree and is delivered from that state of unawareness, he becomes conscious of a resonance within him. As that resonance fades out, he becomes aware of the presence of a most pleasant, well-balanced, and exquisite communication within him. And this experience is so strange and sublime that it is beyond one's power to describe it in words. It is this experience which reveals to one the existence of a flowing river of inner wisdom. It is through this experience of near unconsciousness that a servant of God receives from God answers to all his supplications in an extremely exquisite and pleasant tone. Then, in response to whatever question takes shape in that state of semi-unconsciousness, God reveals to him such profound knowledge as is impossible for a man to discover otherwise. This in itself results in his gaining greater faith in God and a better understanding of his wondrous ways. Man's supplication and God's response to it by way of manifestation of his being the true object of worship is an experience which enables man to behold God as if he were seeing him in this very world. Thus he begins to belong to both worlds simultaneously. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day. 
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show, dear listeners. So we are, you know, delving to our second segment of the morning, our last segment, where a new study shows that exercise cuts chances of dying. Researchers at the National Cancer Institute and National Institute of Aging analyzed data for more than 270,000 US adults in their 60s and 70s. Those who exercise 7.5 to 15 hours per week cut their chances of dying by 31% over the follow-up period. That is 12 years on average. 12 years. I mean, it's exercise. Uh, exercise it has its has its benefits. Hmm. Uh, definitely, as you can as you know as you can see as well. And there's different ways to exercise as well. Yeah. Now, the, the you know the most beneficial thing was you know was running, hmm. followed by brisk walking. Uh, surprisingly, golf, hmm. um, swimming, and cycling. So, getting your you know staying staying active, staying uh, staying positive, and also uh, having a balanced diet. All hmm. these things are very very much important. Phys- you know, physical physical exercise, uh, mental exercise as well. Um, but also um, uh, having having that balanced diet. All these things are very important. You know, the more the more exercise carried out, the more the more uh, death risks uh, were were reduced as well. Mm. This was what the you know what the what the article um, uh, suggested and the research which was conducted. And the most significant chances cutting death risks came from exercising more than seven and a half hours a week. Um, doing more than seven and a half hours of exercise a week can cut death risks uh, uh, in you know, in, the, in the future. However, not that not by much as well. Um, Earlier research carried out by another team hmm. illustrated that people who walked for less than two hours per week were less likely to ju- die during a 13-year stretch uh, than those who didn't exercise as well. Hmm. Walking briskly, f- briskly for at least uh, 150 minutes a week, and you know that can actually cut the risk of mortality by 20%. And um, mortality by 20%. Walking has also been shown to help you avoid arthritis, depression, hmm. um, you know, also flu, uh, colds, which are, you know, quite hmm. prevalent, uh, yeah. you know, uh, at this time of the year as well. And inter- interestingly, the pace at which you walk, walk is an uh, indicator for your overall um, health as well. And seniors who could walk uh, faster than uh, 1.8 miles uh, an av- uh, you know, an hour, were in the top half of the life expectancy charge chart uh, in one particular study as well. So there's different studies which were conducted, yeah. and uh, the results were quite promising as well. Hmm. So you know, I'm delighted to say that we do have online with us uh, our guest of the morning for this segment, Dr. Rebecca Robinson, who is a consultant in sport and exercise medicine, who works with elite athletes across a range of sports, and who has recently been elected as a council member for the Faculty of Sport and Exercise Medicine UK. She's also a keen runner who has represented uh, Great Britain in both marathon and mountain running. Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning, thank you very much for inviting me today. It's it's a pleasure to have you on. Yes, to begin with, could you outline your role as a consultant physician in sport and exercise medicine? I think the line Uh, has dropped. Yeah, I believe the line has dropped. So, you know, we will try contacting uh, Dr. Rebecca again so we can carry on speaking with her. Uh, just briefly, you know, I'd like to mention that, you know, um, Michael Jackson, you know, the mm. greatest pop 
artist alive, artist, right? Yeah. Uh, supposedly in alive? history, <laughs> uh, not alive, but like you know, ever yeah, in history. Yeah. That's what I mean, yeah. right? But what I wanted to mention was that you know he had a dream of uh, like I was reading somewhere he had a dream of living until the age of 150 right and right. he had so many doctors and physicians on hand 24/7 with him mm. but uh, you know at the end of the day he 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 passed away from cardiac arrest mm. uh, even with uh, like they used to outline everything for him for for his meals when he was allowed to go out and he used to follow everything so strictly but you know at the end of the day everyone still returns to the almighty that's 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 why I want to Allah so we do have a uh, Rebecca uh, Dr Rebecca back on the line with us I believe um good morning uh, can you hear us good morning yes apologies no worries uh so um I asked uh, we asked that uh, could you outline your role as the consultant physician in sport and exercise medicine yes, it's a very varied eclectic role we work with elite athletes to prepare them for competitions and sometimes that means dealing with real setbacks in terms of illness or injury um, and working with athletes who are very individual so the para athletes and able bodied athletes and working out how they can win medals but be healthy people at the same time and helping them grow and then we work with people who have musculoskeletal injuries that may have set them back from their plans who are already active and also the population who may not be active or have had significant illness because we know that their being more active can really help them to get through significant conditions so we work with rehabilitation and preparing people for major surgery or treatment as well so it's really very job hmm and uh, you know your role um does ex- do you think exercise play in human health um like to what extent is um exercise uh like play a, a role in uh, um human health is it is it a big role or is it uh... yeah it, it's a very significant role it's very holistic as well hmm. just being out in nature can be very beneficial for our health and that comes from the vitamin D that we get from sunlight yeah how we interact with people in nature but we also know that the stimulus of the physical activity so whether that's weight bearing in terms of walking or running or playing cricket or tennis hmm. that has a good effect on our bones and muscles and then we look at strengthening exercises everything from yoga to going to the gym and those things can get our muscles and bones strong and help them to remain strong through our lives yeah and uh, you know how how should we aim to exercise on a weekly level and what is the in your opinion what is the best form of exercise well the government guidelines are to do 30 minutes five times a week and include some strength training a couple of times per week but i think that the best thing to do is to find what you enjoy what's going to help you to get out the door or to do that inside of the home in the garden and find someone who will help enable you that might be a relative or a friend and start small the great news is if you haven't done a lot before just doing a very little bit stimulates the muscles and the cells and the muscles and every little part that will help you to build that fitness Yeah, definitely. And how can we uh, encourage ourselves and others to engage in fitness activities and how can we get into a good habit of daily exercise? It can feel like quite a daunting thing to start if that's not been normal for you. Yeah. So I think talking with friends, thinking what might be available in your local area, sometimes looking at what's available in the community because there will be some exercises in local gyms and local parks. There's something called Park Run, where people meet every Saturday morning, for example, in 
thousands of parks around the country and it will be walking and running and for some people that's a wonderful new community to meet hmm. but some people will prefer to go to the gym or swim so same for everyone so I would say think about it talk to your support network your friends and family if you have a health condition that you're a little concerned about do you see your doctor or a physiotherapist who can help to advise you about where to start but really exercise is so safe and so beneficial for even people with complex conditions that it's um, it's fun and it becomes something that empowers us and we definitely, can really enjoy definitely and to what extent do you think the public is educated when it comes to the health benefits of exercise not as much as we we could be yeah because there's so many and those of us that study this area we know that it can reduce risks for example of diabetes hmm. heart health can improve we can reduce risks around cancer and also social benefits and reducing loneliness and depression yeah um so many of these things one might not know intuitively and it's just nice to be learning about the benefits so i think we should be able to spread that message more um certainly um but i think exercise if it feels good people will will enjoy it and be empowered by it. but there's certainly some people that know they may have been brought up in an area where it's really easy to do physical activity and yeah. some people don't have those advantages so i think it's hugely important that this becomes something for everybody you know from school from the workplace from leisure time that we can mm. all access because it should be there for all of us definitely definitely Thank you so much uh, doctor for joining us this morning it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you uh, for now take care goodbye and have a lovely morning Thank you so much it's been lovely to speak to you Thank you So that was Dr Rebecca Robinson uh, you know she shared some great uh, thoughts and uh, her knowledge um, in regards to how we can you know inculcate exercise into our daily life and why it's so important and how for those uh, of us who don't even you know don't really do it that much or do it regularly how they can start off even though it can be a bit daunting in the beginning and you know one can get very lazy so in 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 terms of uh, you know Islam Islam puts great emphasis on uh, you know not just looking after one's mental state but also one's physical state hmm. you know exercise is uh, very important in islam as well um the second caliph of uh, the hamdi muslim community um hazrat uh, mirza bashiruddin mahmud ahmed may Allah be pleased with him said that uh, we inculcate the habit of physical exercise so that we can be lithe and active so that our limbs become strong and so that we can gain courage and you know that's it's just a beautiful saying that you know islam also teaches us uh, why it is so important to exercise and we do have a brief audio clip of uh, the fourth caliph of the amdi muslim community hazrat mirza tahir ahmed uh, may allah have mercy on him uh, in regards to exercise so let's listen to that one briefly so if you uh, abstract one passage and other passage is opened which is held here with the grace of allah so this is why it was directed now here in england it is uh, even more necessary because uh, the players offered to the ahmadiyya youth here are out of proportion much more and more hazardous and dangerous than uh, the small players which could be available to qadiani population so this is why i started it i wanted khuddam 
to participate in ordinary healthy pursuits in games in shooting in um, karate you know these things so they would keep them fit they will be better equipped to serve the cause of ahmadiyyat and also they they it's their right to have some source of pleasure and this provides a very good pleasure yeah so that was uh, you know the fourth caliph of the ahmadiyya muslim community uh, also you know reminding us why it is so important to keep uh, not just a healthy mind but a healthy body as well you know his holiness has actually written uh, a book uh, which is uh, you know the fourth caliph of the ahmadiyya muslim mm. community may allah have mercy on him about the the steps of the steps of exercise and he's given you know a brief outline on what you can do hmm. um you know if you want to stay if you want to stay physically active if you want to be uh, healthy as well um obviously you know we see that different things impact our health yeah you know whether it's uh, stress on our mind whether it's uh, the food that we that we're intaking um and whether or not we're keeping ourselves physically active as well sometimes hmm. we're just sitting in the office for long hours yeah. and we're just sitting there looking at the looking at the screen we don't even realize how much an effect is having on our backs on our necks on our even our wrists you know mm. if, if you're on the computer uh, and it, it can it can have a, an effect on the whole body actually yeah uh, so you know getting you know getting up moving around um making sure that you're actually keeping physically active not just not just you know getting up and down but you know sometimes brisk walking is so is so effective that it can it, it can still you know it can keep you it can keep you it can keep you healthy hmm. getting that blood flow around your around your body around your system and raising your heart rate uh you know sort of and working out hmm. you know even if it's just walking or brisk walking or even you know going up and down the stairs uh you know t- t- you know cl- climbing two steps at a, at a time even that can you know even that can actually be some form of uh, of exercise as well yeah but uh you know all the, all of these things all of these things have an effect on us because or mean what his holiness also said as well the, the reason why we want to keep ourselves physically active is that we want to because of our body we want to uh worship god almighty as well mm. in the best possible way we eat so much that or we eat that much that we that we that you know that will be beneficial for us that we don't overindulge in in you know in food and drink that we yeah. become lazy when it comes to the time of prayer or mm. even you know because because the prayer has so many different actions so many mm. different steps and positions we we don't want to eat so much that we can't you know sort of bow down we don't want to eat so much that or we that can't even cross it a burden on us right it becomes a burden on us mm. exactly and then some you obviously if you eat so much you're going to get lazy yeah. you're going to want to sleep as well you know mm. so, you know eating makes you sleep here as well definitely and uh, all of these things they they make you lazy but if you eat moderately mm. you know if you do exercise um properly you know keep physically active you will be able to perform your 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 duties towards god as well as your duties towards mankind as well yeah. and that's and that's the purpose of religion mm. that's the purpose of religion to fulfill our rights of god which is worshiping god you know this five daily prayers these different actions as i just mentioned mm. these different positions you know such as standing up bowing down prostrating sitting down all of these different actions you would be able to do that pe- you know properly mm. 
and on the other hand fulfilling fulfilling the rights of mankind hmm. so where if there's someone in need someone in distress someone who actually needs you physically mentally and all these in spirit as well you will be able to assist them in the best possible way serving serving mankind as well so when we when we want to have a have a balanced diet hmm. um you know we want we want to have a balanced lifestyle as well some people go to the extreme and hmm. they they don't just work out but they take steroids so they take yeah. injections and they do this and that hmm. and then it's you know those things are on the, on on the extreme level hmm. you know yes staying uh doing workouts you know going to the gym pumping weights as well that's mm. that's very good that's good mm. to keep you healthy but sometimes you see people are going too much into into this as well yeah um and obviously on the other side as well going you know not eating anything at all mm. uh, of course you know there are some illnesses as well yeah. that's that obviously needs to be taken care of properly professionally as well by by experts and doctors mm. and specialists but you know so there's some people who just don't eat yeah. and they don't have you know an illness hmm. um and then there's some people who just yeah. don't exercise at all there's so yeah some people just don't exercise at hmm. all even though there's nothing wrong with them hmm. Th- you know they've got perfect legs they've got yeah. perfect bodies hmm. uh in terms of you know they can physically yeah. uh keep themselves uh, active but it's just people being lazy hmm. and sometimes we see that because everything is so accessible even you know even if you look at you know 15 20 years ago there was no such thing as you know ordering something online yeah. and you can just get it delivered to your door yeah you yeah. would have to even if you want to go to the restaurant you have to physically go to the restaurant hmm. but now we see so many this yeah fine it is convenient it is Definitely. good but some people overly rely on these things hmm. and they don't actually do any sort of for, any form of exercise hmm. i'm not saying that these things are bad these things are very convenient you know ordering things ordering food to your door and all of these things but if you're not staying physically active you're just going to become a couch potato yeah that's, that's why what, islam that's teaches moderation in exactly. everything exactly in everything and everyone should do everything you know in moderation, in moderation. and only that way they can prosper Absolutely. so dear listeners we hope you've been enjoying today's show so far um you know as always it's been a pleasure presenting here in the voice of islam studio with you Um, I'd just like to you know thank the producers Adila Ambar Ahmed Namoodi Sahar Tahir Nawira Khan and the researchers Nafisa Amini Mehrish Dogar Maria Sheikh Safiya Nasser and of course our technical department um, Shafiq uh, yeah, Brother Shafiq Brother Shafiq uh, as always it's a pleasure to present here so um, if you do have any feedback or any Uh, anything you'd like to say you can call in at um, 0286877878 or tweet us at the voice of islam uk and you know we do run many other shows as well there's drive time from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. and there's uh, on the weekend there's weekend world and um, saturday morning live saturday morning live uh, for now take care and have a good morning peace be upon you <laughs>